Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. The first rule or principle of pastoral ministry is that you state the obvious. What that actually means is that if you walk into a hospital room and someone says laying in a bed, I must look like crap, you say, yes, you look like crap. Now that sounds strange. And that's not the way we like to operate, but it is the principle. And the reason it's the principle is that pastoral care is to meet the person where they are. And if we go in as we want to do and make things okay and tell them, no, don't worry, we rob them quite literally of their grief. And it's only when you enter into grief and into your woundedness that you can begin to accept the very slow, oftentimes, process of healing. And so, I state the obvious. It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dog. That's Jesus. And I think that we accept that. And we hear it in all of its difficulty. But we put it in a broader context as we need to if we're going to understand this passage of Matthew. We've picked this passage up out of almost the middle of chapter 15, there's an option for reading, and we left part of that out today. 
But when we look at all of chapter 15, you'll see that Jesus is in a family dispute, a dispute between Pharisees and his disciples, between Pharisees and Sadducees. But we have to admit that that dispute, especially between Pharisees and Sadducees, is not the dispute that would have been happening in Jesus' day. It is the dispute that would have been happening and was happening in Matthew's day, in which a Jewish community was dealing with how it extended welcome to Gentile Christians. And the issue of observing Torah and observing law is at the center of this reading and these passages today. So at the beginning of chapter 15, Jesus is approached by the Pharisees because they notice that his disciples are eating without going through the ritual hand washing. Now, it was a ritual hand washing. It wasn't intended to take the dirt off of your hands, though there probably was some there. But it was a ritual act to show your purity. And the way that this had developed, certainly by the time of Matthew's writing, is that the Pharisees advocated that the Torah needed to be updated a bit without being destroyed, and that it need, needed to address contemporary situations. And so what they developed was something called the tradition of the elders, in which rabbis could add their interpretation to the law, and ritual practice could enter, and that ritual washing was one of them. There's another ritual practice, or an, actually a practice, that was included that's mentioned in the passage immediately before this, and it's called the practice of korban. And korban meant that you could identify your possession or something that belonged to you as sacred, belonging to God, and then no one else had a right to take it. And you're familiar with that story of how Jesus approaches this practice and says, there's a young man who says, no, all of this property is sacred and it's keeping the care of his parents at bay. They're not entitled to it. And so Jesus points out that what you're trying to do in increasing the holiness that can be practiced is actually counterproductive because by observing this tradition of korban, you're not following the Torah of providing for your parents. And so I think what Jesus is talking about is the authenticity of our practice. And when immediately before this passage today, the passage we didn't read, where he says to the disciples, it's not the food that you take into your mouth that causes defilement. Gentile Christians who weren't observing kosher laws, but it's what comes out of the heart. It's what goes into the heart and what comes out of the heart that causes that defilement. I think that we know that this week. 
after two weeks of listening to people call one another names, of listening to people be excluded, of silence that won't address a situation that we still live in in this country, which is perversive racism, we haven't practiced the first principle and identified something for what it is. And it's so ingrained, I think, in the way that we want things to be okay, that we even heard it last week, the evening of that horrid event in Charlottesville that claimed a life that injured people, but I think really ripped the wound off of us around what we thought we had healed. Even the mayor of Charlottesville said, you need to move on so we can heal. We have that problem in our American culture, just as obsessive healing as if it's going to be okay. And I think that we have to ask, is that right? Or do we have a deep conversation, always in compassion, that allows us to look at the wound to try to understand how it got there in the first place. And white America is pretty aware of how it got there. I'm preaching to the choir in this community, I know. But the reason I think this is so important is this is exactly what Jesus does today. I don't know that you might feel comfortable calling him a racist, but it sounds as if he was. The Canaanite woman, I have nothing to do with you. I wasn't sent for you. But the Canaanite woman, the Gentile, the one outside of Israel's law, represents an understanding that even the Pharisees and the disciples don't have. She calls him Lord. She calls him Master. And she is the embodiment of prayer. And when she answers him and rebukes him and says, yes, but even the dogs get the scraps from the table, she's talking about the table in God's kingdom. She includes herself there. And Jesus hears that. And I think Jesus says, maybe I have this wrong. Yes, your faith is great. And it's one of the few healing stories in which Jesus doesn't touch anyone. The daughter isn't even here. It's the relationship between Jesus and the woman now that becomes the healing agent that allows, I think, the daughter to be healed. Last week in an adult faith forum, we heard about our Pauline identity and it was really not something that I had brought up, but it came up in the vestry also. And I don't know if you've ever thought about it. I assume that you had. Of really what that Pauline identity is, but I think here it is today. It's in this gospel, and it's in this gospel and the imagery around it that's related directly to the letter to the Romans. The passage we read is just a small excerpt of that. 
But if you would go back and look at that, you'll see that what Paul is doing is he uses the image of an olive tree to talk about how it is that the Gentiles, the Romans he's writing to, are brought into the promise of Israel. And he says that Israel isn't upholding that, but because of you, they'll be able to. And so you are a branch that's been grafted into this first tree, and now together you're going to grow. It is not a statement that Judaism is gone. It is not a defense for anti-Semitism that Christianity would say is legitimate. It's the recognition that we as Christians are the Gentiles who are grafted into Israel's olive tree. And if we're going to come to that kingdom, and if we're going to understand Jesus's messiahship, it's because of Israel. Is that the message that Christians were saying this week in the face of anti-Semitism and a white empowerment movement that wants to get rid of the Jews again. That is not our tradition. Even though we hold it, name it for what it is, we were there. But like the Canaanite woman, I hope now our faith has been greater and we've been healed from that and we can pass that healing on. There's your Pauline identity. You all are doing it. I'm amazed every week I find out another part of outreach especially that's so rich in this small community. That is the conversation that I hope we continue and that we name racism for what it is and we name anti-Semitism for what it is and we proclaim our Gentile identity that's open because we were accepted in also. And if we do that, we just might hear Jesus say to us, St. Paul, your faith is great. Let it be done for you as you wish. And their parish, and their city, and their nation, and their world were healed instantly. But that won't happen unless we call it what it is and we state the obvious.